Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. My name is JJ Jackson, the host of the show. You can follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils and follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore for all the latest news regarding Duke men's basketball, Duke football, and more. Coming up on today's show, I'm so excited because my good buddy Alex Wolf, one of the hosts of Locked On Knicks, is back with us. He was on the program about a year ago when we were talking about R.J. Barrett's loan season so far playing for the Knicks, and now we're back with another conversation. Cam Reddish has joined the mix and more. So, Alex, welcome into the program, and uh, let's get to it, man. How are you? I'm great. I'm, I'm a little jealous of the, the Dickie V shout-out at the beginning. Yeah. I feel like that's like the equivalent of if I got Walt Clyde Frazier to uh, you know do a little yeah. drop for my show. That's pretty big-time stuff, man. I think i got to step my game up. That or, or Mike Breen throwing a bang your way, whatever you mm-hmm. can uh, make happen. Yeah, that, that's got to come up next uh, there on Locked on Knicks. Well, man, let's get right to it. We, we talk about R.J. Barrett and um, his career so far. From the outside looking in, man, it really felt like he took that next step this season. I love watching lefties play basketball. I loved it, his season there for Duke. And, uh, man, it was fun to watch him this year. Yeah, I mean, we loved R.J. too this year. It, <laughs> Sort of the unfortunate thing is that each of RJ's seasons in the NBA so far, he started very slow Um, and this season was no different. Although as time went on, it seemed like maybe there was a reason behind it. Um, There's there was something going on in the Knicks locker. I don't know what it was. It was not COVID related, but there was like a full month early in the season where a couple guys were kind of slumping. There was all these like, mentions of like a stomach bug or something like I don't know what the heck it was like I don't know if there were month-long stomach bugs like I don't know how that works but RJ had a really bad month early in the season like November and like some of December for him was honestly just awful like he could not shoot at all things were not looking great and we were all starting to be like oh like what's going on here you know it's this was like the third straight season where that happened like that notoriously happened in his second season too, where he was just ice cold to start the year, but then ended so on fire, like shooting the ball and stuff that you wound up shooting 40% from three for the year, uh, which was awesome. So this year was kind of similar, except for instead of taking the role that he took in 2021, where he figured things out and sort of became this like complimentary piece to Julius Randle, they started down the stretch of the season, treating him more as the primary option. So the percentages weren't quite as amazing this year. Um, I think he wound up by the end of the season shooting like 35, 36% from three, something like that, Um, which is still pretty impressive considering he shot like 20 something percent over the first month and change. But uh, he was taking on more creation uh, responsibility, you know, more being on the ball, creating for others, you know, being the guy that's running a quick pick and roll at the top of the key and, and, you know, setting up the offense or just straight up breaking down his man and getting inside and, generating free throws for himself. Uh, I think it was in the calendar month of 2022, he was like one of the top five or six free throw generators in the entire NBA uh, for like the year of 2022 once the calendar turned over. So, I mean, I think he had a really great year this year. Knicks fans are super excited about him. 
Um, you know, this is the time of year for all these like national rankings lists and everything. And it's, you know, a frustrating time for Knicks fans, because as usual, we feel like RJ's not getting his due uh, as a, a really good young piece that just averaged 20 points per game in his age 21 season. Um, but I think ultimately, like, we're super excited about him. I think it, we were talking about it before the show. It seems almost inevitable at this point that the Knicks are going to end up with Donovan Mitchell. Uh, at some point this offseason, uh, and they just acquired Jalen Brunson. So that's two more, you know, high scoring shot creators that they can put next to RJ to lessen his load. Julius Randle may or may not be on the team, but even if he isn't, they have Obi Toppin, who plays such a great complimentary brand of basketball. They have a really good rim runner in Mitchell Robinson, who will hopefully be set up for a good season this coming year. So, like, I think RJ is primed to potentially be like, a number two option on a really good team this year, potentially if, you know, this trade for Mitchell goes through, obviously they have Brunson in hand already. And it seems like even if they make a trade for Mitchell, they should still have a pretty deep team. So like Knicks fans are pretty excited about this coming year. And RJ is a huge part of that. I think. I can imagine. So, I mean, it was so much fun to watch him this season. It was so much fun to watch him in his Duke career and what he's been able to do in the NBA so far. Talking about on the court moments and plays in particular, you think about this past year, for R.J. Barrett, Duke Twitter got very active in a game winner that R.J. had on the right wing because Jason Tatum was right in his face defending him. I mean, that's Duke on Duke crime. Between that shot and what other top moments or, or plays do you think of when you think about the year that was for R.J. Barrett? That's definitely the number one, um, <laughs> especially because when the the Celtics were like in the throes of their finals run, Tatum got interviewed at one point and they were like, what was the turning point in the season? Cause like the Knicks and the Celtics actually had very similar seasons up to a certain point, And then one went straight up and the other went straight down and you yeah. can guess which one went straight right. down. Um, but both the teams were like hovering just around or just under 500 for a long time there. And then right around that moment, Knicks fans thought like, Oh, maybe this is the turning point for the Knicks. Turned out, apparently it was the thing that lit a fire under the butt of the Celtics, and the Knicks just nosedived after that. Um, I don't know, other than that, though, like, if there's too many, I guess probably the biggest moment was the, uh, uh, I forget what his total point total was, but the 40-plus point game against the Heat. Um, that was a big one, obviously. Uh, that one, unfortunately, I missed watching live. I forget what I had going on that night. I think it was a weekend game and I had some sort of plans. Sure. And then I'm like looking at Twitter and I'm like, oh, my God, of course, I missed this game. <laughs> uh, but I watched it later on and I was like, wow, this is impressive. Um, and then the other than that, I can't think of too many others. I mean, I think I was just overall so impressed by seeing him go out there and so routinely down the stretch of the season, put up like 25, 30, 30 plus points uh, that it started to feel just like an everyday occurrence for him. And that's, that's what you talk about when you're talking about guys taking the next step is like, at what point does scoring like 25 points become second nature for them? Um, and RJ went through a large part of the year early on, like I said, you know, averaging a pretty underwhelming, like, I don't know, I think he was averaging like 15 through the first part of the season on like very bad efficiency. So the fact that he was able to get up to 20 points per game late in the season and was consistently putting up like 30 points a game and didn't really – I mean, I won't say he had no help because that's a disservice. Like, I think the Knicks caught a lot more heat than they deserved this year. I mean, they were they were not that far outside the play-in picture. They were better than, like, two or three of the play-in slash playoff teams in the West this year. 
so really things were not like the Pelicans that everybody loved and is raving yeah. about all their young talent. They had a better record than the Pelicans this year. Um, so I don't think that their season was quite the bust that everybody thought it was, but uh, mostly, you know, I don't have, unlike some of the other seasons, like where I had more like flashbulb moments for RJ, like certain things that really stood out to me other than the game winner and like the, the game against the heat this year, I didn't have too many things that like stood out in my mind of like, this was one of the best things in my entire life. You know what I mean? Like it was mostly just a lot of really good nights all yeah. kind of woven into one big, you know, quilt. <laughs> well, well, the, well, the game winner is good enough. So we, we can settle on that one. As you mentioned, I'll help you at 46 was that point total uh, that, that RJ had in that game versus Miami. And then also uh, Duke saw that back in January, you're mentioning the 30 point games that he had worth noting RJ Barrett became the youngest player in Nick's history with consecutive 30-point games. He broke Chris Stapp's Porzingis record there. So pretty stellar season for RJ, and it seems like things are trending up for him. Let's take a quick pause, and then I want to talk about Cam Reddish, a college teammate of RJ Barrett, now playing with him in the league, and we'll do that in just a moment. Our episode today of Locked On Blue Devils is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a proud presenting sponsor of the Locked On Podcast Network. And let me tell you about one of their top flavors, Coconut Brownie Chunk. Here's the new deal. They're bringing it to you in the Puffs variety. That's right. It's the deliciously chewy marshmallow flavor that you love covered in 100% real chocolate. It's like a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness. You're going to absolutely absorb it. Make sure adore it. Make sure you stop by built.com, use promo code locked15 L O C K E D 15 and get your order today for 15% off. All built bars are made with collagen protein with your which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is also good for you. You'll really enjoy that. All these built bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and all very, very delicious. Again, go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, L O C K E D15, and get 15% off your order. Promo code LOCKED15. Here we are back on Lockdown Blue Devils. My name is JJ Jackson, alongside Alex Wolf, one of the co hosts for Lockdown Knicks. Talked about RJ Barrett. One of his running mates in college was Cam Reddish, who started his NBA career with the Atlanta Hawks. And Alex, this season he gets traded to the New York Knicks. Yeah, and you know, at the time of the trade, I thought it was a good gamble by the Knicks. You know, they they've done a lot of uh, a lot of machinations in the draft the last few years. You know, I, I give them credit. It, past Nick regimes used to get kind of you know hated on a bit for not taking risks in the draft and not. Seemed like they were active. Knicks fans would always joke that Phil Jackson was like asleep on draft night um, <laughs> because it, it seemed like the Knicks were just never involved in anything and just were content to stick where they are. The Leon Rose regime, very active on draft night, as we saw this year uh, with trading out of the draft and all that stuff. And last year they traded out of uh, the 19th and 21st picks. I forget exactly how it all went down. I, I think they traded the 19th pick to Charlotte and they got back a top 18 protected pick that was protected for a number of years going forward. I don't think the protections were ever any less than like lottery protected. So it was a very, like a first round pick in name only, you know what I mean? A guaranteed sure. back half of the first round pick, if not a couple second rounders. So the fact they were able to turn that into Cam Reddish and also keep uh, Quentin Grimes off the table was a pretty big win, I think, and was a worthy gamble. 
Unfortunately, once Cam got to the Knicks, we didn't get to see as much as we wanted of him, and fans were clamoring for him to get in the game like immediately. Um, he was dealing with, I think, an ankle sprain with Atlanta, although that very well could have been a little bit of like, well, you might be ready to come back, but we're going to hold you out because we're trying to trade you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm not 100%, but when he got to the Knicks, they were saying, no, he's still injured. We're going to give him a little bit of time to get better. And, you know, one week went by, two weeks went by. I think it was almost like two and a half weeks before he finally saw the floor. Fans got a little antsy. I was actually at his first game, which was kind of fun. Um, when he first got some floor time, he got a big ovation at the Garden. Everybody was, was and still is, I think, pretty excited to see what he can do. Problem is, we didn't get too much of an opportunity to see it. Um, Tibbs, you know, Tom Thibodeau, super notorious for having, you know, stringy or st- stingy rotations. Um and, you know, not really favoring young guys too much. And even though Reddish was a, a third-year pro, just like RJ, who gets like 35 minutes a night, uh, he kind of got the the kid treatment. Yeah. You know, he, he had to really scratch and claw to find some minutes. When he did, though, I, I was pretty intrigued by him. You know, I think he's got a lot to work on, uh, which is probably why he didn't get a ton of playing time with the Knicks. They did have, honestly, at the, like, wing spot, a more polished young player in Quentin Grimes, I think, at this stage that maybe has less upside, um, but played a more defined role of just like three and D and, you know, doing what he was asked to do. Reddish, I think freelances a little bit, you know, which I think is something that happened with the Hawks. And that's sometimes a good thing, sometimes a bad thing. I think he's really got to work on like footwork on his shot and stuff. Like his feet are just all over the place. He's like a, like a uh, wacky inflatable leg flailing tube man. When he's shooting the ball, you know, it's like sometimes his legs are kicking forward. Sometimes they're kicking out to the side. Like sometimes he's taking a leaner. It's just like set your feet, take the shot. Like you're clearly a very talented shot maker. So take advantage of that. Um, But I loved a lot of what I saw in the limited time that he was out there. Like uh, his transition game is great. I think he's really good at pushing the pace, getting out in transition, then finishing and finishing through contact in transition as well. Um, I thought that he was a pretty decent passer when, you know, again, I think he, he was trying to justify his minutes, which sometimes led to him, you know, not necessarily taking the best shots and sometimes hijacking the offense a little bit. But when he was like engaged in that way and and playing, you know, the more team style ball, I thought he was a pretty good passer. His defense, I like how he plays passing lanes and stuff. And probably the most intriguing thing was due to injuries, Tibbs would never try this sort of stuff unless he was pressed to by injuries. But for little stretches, he was getting some like backup four minutes as like a small ball four. And that I really liked. Um, I think that that was a really interesting look. Like if you could put him out there with a rim protector out there at center that can, you know, hold that down and then just sort of have a an attack where you have like you want to run, 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 and then have these guys just kind of defend the perimeter and have someone manning the middle. I thought that he played that role pretty well. So um, I'm definitely intrigued by Cam. You know, of course, there's a potential Donovan Mitchell trade to get through. Right. He would make a great you know, player to add into that trade is a high upside swing for a team that's about to go into a rebuild. So I don't know if he'll necessarily make it to this next season, but if he does, I'm really intrigued to see if he can carve out a better role for himself, particularly because like, I think after a Mitchell trade, if he survives that there's going to be more playing time available in theory. Uh, And so I think that he might be able to carve out that backup role behind RJ Barrett and hopefully, you know, find a pretty, pretty interesting, uh, uh, spot for himself on the team. 
Yeah, good for you to throw that in here. As we're recording this, Cam Reddish is still a member of the New York Knicks. We'll see if uh, any trades uh, change that at all. What was so exciting was just the fact that Cam and RJ were reunited after the college season that they had with Zion Williamson. So much publicity from that one year that they had at Duke. Last season for the Atlanta Hawks, they make the run to the Eastern Conference Finals, and Cam Reddish had some great shots, had some big moments, and so it feels like we've been able to see that from him in his career. Was there anything noteworthy? I mean, we saw a couple of moments where it felt like RJ and Cam were so excited to be back together. I mean, is that something that Knicks fans talk about, the fact that these guys do have the college playing experience together, that they are good friends, are the same age? Yeah, a bit. Um, I think one dream out of that definitely got squashed, which was the the Zion dream. Yeah. You know, Knicks fans being like, oh, Zion's going to like take the qualifying offer or something because he wants to come play with his boys in New York. Obviously, he signed a max extension on like day <laughs> one of free agency. So that got kind of kiboshed uh, and rightfully so. I mean, he should get his money and, you know, they offered him sure. the full max deal. So more power to him for taking it. He can always force a trade to the Knicks in a few years. But um yeah, I, I think Knicks fans were excited about that possibility. Unfortunately, and this is a, a big caveat with Tibbs, we didn't get to see a ton of minutes of them together, sure. um, even when there was that injury uh, stretch, because Tibbs manages his bat. I mean, if you can't tell, I'm not a, I'm not the biggest Tibbs fan. Not a lot of <laughs> Knicks fans were by the end of the season. Um, and it'll be intriguing to see how they've committed to at least bringing him in to start next season. So it's going to be really intriguing to see how that goes. But um He's a big like hockey shift kind of guy where he makes all of his substitutions within about a minute of when he makes the first one. So like if he subs out the center as his first, you know, sub, then like by like a minute or two later, the whole unit is the second unit then, you know, like he he makes those substitutions like rapidly. Um, So we never got to see too much of RJ and Cam together, which was disappointing because a lot of people did, you know, like that Duke element to it of like, oh, these guys played together. They have some familiarity like. If you were going to you know, pick anyone on this team to try to get Cam some minutes with, to try to get him comfortable, it would be RJ. <laughs> you know, um, And yet they didn't do that that often. Even though, I mean, especially with Randall, there have been moments where yeah. when Tibbs has staggered RJ with the second unit, it was really great to kind of have him be the undisputed leader of that second unit where there was no sort of like, it, I won't call it tension, but no, you know, uh, decision making of who's going to be the the lead guy on this possession like it was kind of just always RJ when he was with the second unit so um i i think Knicks fans yes were excited sure. about the brotherhood thing unfortunately didn't get much of a payoff with it <laughs> well, uh, and then and then of course too as soon as Cam was starting to find his groove and starting to find some playing time he had the injury and then was out the rest of the year so not great <laughs> well exactly we will see if that changes going into the season if they're both on the team uh, what that looks like, and hopefully they can get some run together. You and, and Gavin, your co-host there with Locked On Knicks, have been gracious enough to have me on your show a good number of times. As you said, we did this conversation a year ago here on Locked On Blue Devils, and I remember you guys talking about the fact that oftentimes when RJ is going out of the game, Cam Reddish is going in and vice versa, so it's hard to find that mutual playing time on the floor. I want to talk about another Duke Blue Devil that now calls the New York Knicks home. That's right. We recently saw Trevor Keels drafted to the Knicks, and we'll do that after our final timeout on today's edition of Locked On Blue Devils.
Busy time of year. We're getting set for the upcoming college football season. Less than 50 days away from kickoff, and Duke will be back in action. We want you to make sure you're checking out Locked on ACC. Get more information on the Atlantic Coast Conference by making Locked on ACC your second listen every day. Host Candace Cooper and local experts like myself of Locked On take you across the conference in 30 minutes. Make your Locked On ACC the second listen of the day today. Here we are, final few moments of Locked On Blue Devils. J.J. Jackson alongside Alex Wolf, a co-host for Locked On Knicks. And Trevor Keels was a second-round selection by the Knicks, 42nd overall. He's been playing in Las Vegas with the Knicks for Summer League. Hasn't had the best of numbers shooting-wise so far, but did notably get a two-way contract, got guaranteed money. That's not always promised being a second-round selection. Finds himself with a two-way deal. Fill us in on the rest. What else can you tell us about Trevor Keels in New York, Alex? Uh, admittedly, through Summer League, I'm a little worried. Like, I actually, it's funny. I I just reported, recorded a podcast earlier today where I was, you know, Summer League's starting to wind down. We're four yeah. games in. You know, I think the Knicks have one more, like, regular season game left. And then uh, it's I don't know if they're doing a the playoff format this year or what. Yeah. Yeah, whatever they're doing this year. Last year, because of COVID, I think they just did a championship game. This year, I think they're doing an actual tournament style again. But whatever the case may be, um, there's only a few more games left. And I sort of said on today's show, like, there's a few guys I've kind of made my mind up on at this point. Unfortunately, in one direction, Trevor Keels is one of them. And it's basically, I just don't think he's there yet. You know what I mean? Like, even going up against the competition he's going up against, which is all basically first, second, third year players or like G League journeymen right now, he's having a lot of issues creating separation. Um, and I think that has to do, you know, you you mentioned this when you came on because I had you on for a quick segment yeah. to talk about him before Summer League, but like he really didn't test well at the Combine as far as like the body measurements, you know, like not a great wingspan, not great height for his position, Weight the was heaviest pretty high. player at his position. Yeah. Yes. Heaviest player at shooting guard. And it shows, you know, he's a little heavy footed. Like he, he seems to have a really hard time blowing by guys. Um, and you can't really have that when you're below average height for your position, below average wingspan, all that stuff. Um, I like, I will say on defense, I like his tenacity. Um, like I've, I've enjoyed watching the fact that he likes to play the passing lanes and stuff like that. Sort of like what I was saying with Reddish, you know what I mean? Like he's not over aggressive with it. He seems to have a pretty good sense of timing as far as playing those passing lanes and trying to generate steals and stuff. And like, to his credit, he's been part of a starting lineup, um, for the summer Knicks that, you know, not entirely due to him. It's a lot due to Deuce McBride and Quentin Grimes and Jericho Sims and Farron Hunt, his four pretty established like NBA level teammates on there, but he's been part of a starting lineup that for three straight games. Now I think has gone up like 13, nothing, 13, nothing and like 11, nothing on their opponents. Like they've gone double digits before letting up a single point. And if he was a, a true weak cog in the defense, that wouldn't be allowed to happen. Uh, So, you know, kudos to him on that on offense is where I'm mostly worried. Like speed wise, he's got a, It's just going to be a conditioning thing, you know, like you can to a degree with like some weight loss and some conditioning that's geared towards getting more explosive, build that over time. Um, And so he definitely needs to do that. You know, he's he's a little too thick at the moment um, to be playing a shooting guard position. If he was like a four and was a little 
lengthier, fine. Yeah. He would be great. But as a shooting guard, you know, those defenders are just, he can't get by anybody. And that's the biggest issue. And then the shooting hasn't been lights out enough to make them respect that enough that he can attack a closeout. Um, Cause he's shooting like 25% overall in summer league or something like that. It's, it's not great. It's not been pretty, but on the bright side, as you said, he, he has a two way contract. Clearly the Knicks see something in him. That they really like, and you know, the, like, didn't the whole Duke starting lineup get drafted this year? Yeah, all five yeah. guys got drafted. So, I mean, it was a great team, you know, yeah. and and he was part of that, and he was not an insignificant part of that, you know what I mean? So I think the fact that he's 18 right now, he's not going to turn 19 until next month. They brought that up like 8,000 times yeah. during the one summer league game. Um, but, you know, he's young, and he can learn and whatever. I, I was telling you before the show, I have a great, like, comp for this, you know, a, a guy who – had a brief cup of coffee with the Knicks as well. Um, I used to cover Miles Powell in high school and he was sort of a similar case where like I was covering him in high school and I was like, how does this kid as a junior who's clearly a little overweight right now and like not physically there have a commitment from Seton Hall already? Sure. Like that's a pretty big program to have a commitment to this kid who like basically just shoots. <laughs> yeah. And then he shows up to Seton Hall and different from Keels, he – played his full time at Seton Hall and really developed his body. He's still working his way around the G League and whatever. He's gotten, I think, at least one two-way contract in his NBA career so far. But, like, similar deal. Like, he was built stocky as a guard, a little undersized, but really got his body right and then managed to figure it out. Got more elevation on his jump shots. Got better bursts going towards the hoop, stuff like that. So, like, that sort of stuff is attainable. I think maybe, you know, I would probably say Keels maybe should have gone back to school. Sure. But if he's willing to like be on a two-way contract for a couple years with the Knicks and really put in the time and the energy in Westchester, I like the potential. Like I like his instincts a lot. It's just like his body can't keep up with his brain right now with what he wants to do like against this level of competition. So it's going to take some combination of improving his body, um, you know, fine-tuning his skills and also like the game slowing down for him at this level. But I have, I have pretty good faith. Like, if he keeps facing this level of competition and keeps getting better in, like, the G League, he might be able to eventually crack the big Knicks at some point. Well, well, as we said, it was uh, a Duke basketball team this year that made it all the way to the Final Four. All five guys were selected, four of them in the first round. Trevor Keel's the one guy that fell into the second and selected 42nd overall, but gets the two-way contract. As we wrap here, Alex, and you look at this next season – Obviously, Cam Reddish's future is a little bit uncertain with whether or not he could be involved in a trade package. A whole lot of upside for R.J. Barrett and what he can do for the Knicks this upcoming season. Possibly a big payday coming R.J.'s way at some point as well. But for my college basketball listeners, kind of give us, what does that two-way contract look like? Explain that a little bit for us. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's true. That's probably not a super (laughs) familiar concept. So uh, it's the overall framework of a two-way deal has sort of changed over the last few years, thanks to COVID. Um, It used to be way more restrictive when they first implemented it. Uh, It used to be something like you could only have like what they defined as, I think it was 40 working days or something with your team. Mm -hmm. So that usually equated to about 20 games roughly um, because they would count like if you practice, that's like a working day. And they were a a little loosey goosey with it. I think like some guys, I think definitely got to practice more and have more like working days uh, off the book sort of with the team than what they were technically allotted. But 
they were pretty strict about like the game count. Like the Knicks ran into this the first year of two way contracts. They had Alonzo Trier on one, and he was pretty good. And they had to convert him halfway through the season onto a regular deal because he was playing so well on the two way deal that like they couldn't, you know, just they couldn't send him back to the G League and be like, well, just rot there the rest of the year because they actually (laughs) needed him on the big squad, you know. Um, So basically, now how they work, I think it's you can play in unless they change this again, I think it's, you can play in like 50 games and there's no restrictions on practice time. So, yeah. So if you basically want to keep a guy with the big club the whole year, you can, um, that was pretty much what they did with Jericho Sims this past year. Uh, he definitely was like on the bench for the Knicks on most nights. I think down the stretch of the season, he got a ton of playing time. Uh, of course the, the season was kind of lost at that point and they were dealing with some injuries and stuff, but like he got a lot of playing time. So there is an avenue for Keels if he shows some improvement to potentially be up with the big Knicks and at the very least practicing with them and, yeah. you know, being a blowout garbage time guy, you know what I mean? To get some NBA minutes and, and, you know, get that experience a little bit. Um, if I was a betting man, I would probably say that they would treat him more like they did say like Farron Hunt, who was their second two way guy for at least part of this past year. Um, and keep him more in the G League playing for Westchester. I think that would probably be best for his development at this point. Like he can make an NBA salary. Uh, that's the other thing. I think salary wise, they make like $500,000 or something like that. I don't know. Um, they don't get like more or less depending on their NBA service time either. I don't think. Right. I think they get the same amount no matter what now. Um, so Good I, I opportunity think. Regardless. What, yeah. I would say. At the G League level or NBA. I would say if I was a betting man, I would probably bet that. He'll get into – I'm assuming that the Knicks are going to be better this year than they were last year, which means there shouldn't be like the 20 games at the end of the season where nothing matters. Yeah. Um, so in that case, I, I if I was a betting man, I'd probably say he'll get into maybe 10 to 15 NBA games in garbage time just to you know try it out a little bit and so that they can see what progress he's making in the G League. But – He'll probably play most of his season in the G League and get like, I don't know, 25 games down there or something, however many games they play. Um, and that'll be most of his season, plus just developing, working on his body, getting. I mean, one good thing about coming to the NBA instead of college, and I mean, I know Duke is like such, they're like the blue chips, blue chip program. So maybe this <laughs> isn't as big of a thing here, but he's going to get on an NBA nutrition regimen, sure. going to be on an NBA workout plan. Working out with, I mean, for some of the flaws of some of the guys on the Knicks, like Julius Randle or whatever, they're all workout freaks. Like yeah. they're all in amazing shape. Um, and Tibbs, for all of his flaws, is a guy that demands that of his players. So if he shows up to camp, he's going to get worked right away. And that might be a benefit to him, uh, you know, for going to the NBA versus going back to college. So I guess we'll see what ends up happening there. But and, uh, as. I was going to say, as we've seen on social media, the brotherhood does run deep. RJ is definitely excited to have Trevor there. And with the Duke ties alone, I think that's someone that he could take under his wing a little bit and make sure that he's taken care of. So, uh, Alex, this has been absolutely outstanding. The time is always greatly appreciated. Give me one big plug for uh, Locked on Knicks and what you guys got going on over there. Yeah, well, likewise, first off, thanks for having me on again. You know, we were joking before the start of the show, this is like – our most crossed over, yeah. you know, crossover within what the network. But yeah. It makes sense, right? Because the Knicks have, uh, you know, all these Duke guys now. So, of course, we want to keep in touch. Um, Locked on Knicks, we're, I mean, just like you are, five days a week, a lot of the time. We're in off-season mode. So, 
within the next month or so once free agency calms down we might go down to like three or four times a week but a lot of times a week a lot of yeah. shows so if you're interested in hearing particularly about rj barrett um we talk about him all the time because we love rj to death so there's also a back catalog for this whole past year so if you're a, a duke fan and you're kind of looking for another fix and to keep up with some of your other guys this year Locked on Knicks, definitely check it out. We'll, if nothing else, we'll be talking tons about RJ all the time because he's there like we my go. favorite player. <laughs> there we go. Alex, thanks, man. We'll talk again soon, okay? All right. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. All right. That's our pal Alex Wolf, and he's joining us here on today's edition of Locked On Blue Devils. And that wraps up another episode of our show. Great stuff. I love what the Knicks are doing. We've talked over the years. The Pelicans two seasons ago had five former Duke players. Now we're walking into a year with three on the Knicks. Pelicans still have our guys Zion and Brandon Ingram. That's another look at an NBA year in review for R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish. And now Trevor Keels is joining the mix. That's going to do it for today's show. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you soon. My name is J.J. Jackson. Thank you and good day.